Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with Simon Hughes and Simon Mann. Now, in this podcast, we're going to do something a bit different. With the England and New Zealand Test Series soon to be upon us, we thought we'd whet your appetite for the return of Test Cricket by reliving the climax of one of cricket's greatest finishes. So in this episode, we're going back to Cardiff 2009, the first match of the Ashes series between England and Australia of that year. Now, you remember, Australia went into this series as favourites. They held the Ashes after a crushing 5-0 win in Australia in 2006-07. The match was the first Ashes test in England since 2005, when England triumphed in one of the greatest series of all time. It was also Cardiff's first ever test match. So looking back at the the game overall, England made 435 in their first innings, but Australia responded with a massive 674 for six declared and led by 239 on first innings. At the start of the fifth day, England were 20 for two. Yeah, and looking down the barrel, really, it looked almost impossible for England to escape on that final day. The weather was fine, plenty of overs to bowl, great opportunity for Australia, but England toughed it out, and we joined the action with England on 232 for eight with 13 overs to go. Paul Collingwood, 74 not out, marathon effort from him. Jimmy Anderson is with him. There's only Monty Panesar to come. We're going to hear from Monty during the last hour. We'll also hear from Australia's Marcus North. We join the action then with Nathan Horitz bowling to Collingwood. Horitz bowling, right arm over the wicket to Collingwood with four men around the back. That's really tossed up. Collingwood not tempted, digging out into the onside. Well, it's been a marathon effort from Collingwood. Tremendous discipline as well. 238 balls for his 74. England into the final hour. 
Seven runs behind. Horitz goes in now. Outside the off stump. A bit of bat and pad in that. Dropping just short of Ponting. That silly point. I don't think it was a chance. It was in front of him. Ponting falling forward. One of those close men around the bat. Yeah, it was pad, then glove. Bit of extra bounce from the second new ball, helping Horitz there. Horitz goes in again, bowls wide off stump to Collingwood, who pads it away. There's an appeal from Brad Haddin behind the stumps. Alim Dar unmoved, just shaking his head. It was just too wide, really, for the umpire to even really consider giving that out. Collingwood settles over his bat again. 2.32 for eight, in seven runs behind. And here is Horitz, and that one turns a fraction, but Collingwood gets his pat outside the line of off stump. It hits it, it drops at his feet, and there is no run. I think oh. there was a bit of an inside edge there, actually, possibly. Um, but bowling a good pace here, Horitz, about 57 miles an hour. Look at that little inside edge onto yeah. pad, and it didn't pop up, luckily, on the leg side. Collingwood escaping there. Yeah, there is something to work with. Uh, for Nathan Horitz, the off-break bowler with those four close catches, including the leg slip. Collingwood goes back and brushes that away into the onside, out towards mid-wicket. And there is no run. Runs are, no, yeah, runs are important. Yeah. I mean, you say no run now. Collingwood will be looking around now for a single. Back up Jimmy Anderson, trying to get Collingwood back on strike for the next over. Horitz gets a bit wide of the crease, full. Collingwood drives. That was an opportunity there to score. But he's in that block mentality at the moment, uh, Collingwood largely anyway, and he played it out towards mid-off. There is no run. Another over ticks by. England are 232 for eight, and there are 12 overs remaining. Paul Collingwood had a remarkable international career, playing 301 times for England in all formats. His third test was the 2005 Oval game in which England clinched the Ashes and he was awarded an MBE for his small part in the series. He'd played every game in England's 5-0 defeat in Australia in 2006-07, making 96 in Brisbane and a double hundred in vain in Adelaide. By now, he was no test match novice. This was his 49th test and he was averaging 44. I think Collingwood could have done better actually with that last ball and you could see he was just rehearsing. He could have just opened the face a bit and steered that wide of mid-off but of course caution is, is the most important thing at the moment and now Jimmy Anderson will be on strike with 12 overs left. Well it's getting tense, there's no doubt about that. I still feel it's Australia's game and need two balls to do the damage and win this test match. It's going to be Peter Siddle to bowl. Well, 14 overs, one maiden, no wicket for 39 in this England second innings. He's going in now, round the wicket to bowl to Anderson. Anderson clips that away towards wide mid on. They scamper through for a single. The throw comes in at the striker's end. It misses. And Collingwood was backing up there. And they are home. And the crowd has sensed the importance of that single because it gets Collingwood back on strike. Yeah, it was good cricket, actually, by both Anderson and Collingwood. Collingwood obviously backing up keenly. The crowd absolutely gripped by this. It's a glorious afternoon in Cardiff. <laughs> Nobody wants to leave their seats uh, watching this drama unfold. And Anderson did well just to work that one wide of mid-on, giving the opportunity for Collingwood to get back on strike. I think it was Mitchell Johnson there who, who swooped at mid-on and, and tried to affect the run out. Got Siddle bowling from the Cathedral Road end of the ground, bowling... 
to Collingwood now. 2.33 for eight. Six runs behind. That was outside the off stump. Collingwood shovels that into the offside, out towards mid-off. They probably could have tried to pinch a single there, but of course they don't want Anderson on strike this early in the over. It would have been a tight one, but then the ball before it was a tight one. They just managed to scramble through for a single. So 11.4 overs left. Runs are still important, of course, for England. I mean, Collingwood could have left that ball, but he's still thinking about the runs because once England get into the lead, it will take Australia longer to be able to get the necessary victory target. Siddle tries again, bowls to Collingwood outside the off stump, he goes for it, oh it's caught! It's caught at backward point in the gully region. Australia absolutely delighted. Is that the wicket that sets them on the path to victory? It was taken at the second attempt by Hussey. Collingwood looking to score, again it was a ball he could have left. He pushed at it and it was in the air, he could not control it. And England are 233 for nine. They are six runs behind. And the combination of Siddle and Hussey has worked for Australia. Yes, pushing it up and juggling the catch and taking it at the second attempt. Despair for Paul Collingwood. What a valiant effort. What a doughty performance. Nearly six hours at the crease. Siddle ecstatic having taken that wicket. You're quite right, Simon. He could have left it. But runs, as I said, are still important and... Collingwood has to depart, 74 from 245 balls, almost six hours, as I said, at the crease. But the key thing is it now exposes Monty Panesar to these Australian bowlers with at least 11 overs remaining. We kind of felt like Collie's going to, you know, get us through this and uh, we'll end up maybe, you know, drawing the match. But even then it was very tense. Um, everyone just sitting on their own seats. You know, when things are going well in the dressing room, you tend to sit uh, on, on, on the seat that you're supposed to sit and then not move. So Collie was batting so well. We were all just in our own seats and no one moved the whole session until he was batting. So um, that's one of the great things about, you know, you miss about dressing room environments. Um, we're extremely superstitious, but when things are going well, it could be anything. It could be like, you know, one player may have to sit inside while the others sit outside. But um, that's just you know, part of dressing room culture. But once number nine is in, I'll have all my kit on because uh, there's been often, we've, we've had, you know, a complete carnage and, you know, loads of wickets fall and then next I'm in. So I'm always ready to go. And uh, um, it was, uh, it's that sort of hope when everyone looks at me thinking, gosh, Monty's going out to bat, like, there's no hope here, is there? Here is Siddle to bowl to Panasar. His first ball is just outside the off stump. It's not far away from the off stump as well. Somehow it missed. It missed the outside edge of Panasar's bat and it missed the off stump as well on its way through to Brad Haddin. 2.33 for nine. Australia one wicket away. Actually went over the top of the yeah, off yeah. stump. Actually, I mean, it was an immaculate forward defensive from Monty, except he didn't hit the ball. <laughs> Two, three, three for nine. Six runs behind England. 11.2 overs left in the day's play. Such a big task ahead for Panesar and Anderson. And Panesar there turns that through mid-wicket. He's off for a single. And they decide to settle for one. So Anderson on strike. One more run. Valuable run. Can England get ahead? Once they get ahead, of course, that will take some time out of the match because we have 10 minutes between innings but at the moment 
Uh, Australia have got the game under control. They just need that one wicket at the moment. They're looking at an innings victory. Just looking at a replay of the, of the catch. Ponting leapt once and saw the ball come out of Hussey's hands. He's down again in despair almost, then leapt again. Here's Siddle, round the wicket, wide the crease, bowls to Anderson, turned away, down towards fine leg. Hilfenhaus is down there on the fine leg boundary, sends in the return right over the bales to Haddin, but it's another single, and England are edging closer to making Australia bat again. But Australia just need that one wicket. 235 for nine at the end of the 94th over of England's innings. Three runs from the over, but a vital wicket. 11 overs left, and England are four runs behind. I think undoubtedly they'll have more trouble against Horitz, who's really turning the ball, than they have against Siddle. Three close catches on the offside. Horitz bowls to Anderson. It's short and wide outside the off stump. It looked like the sort of delivery that Anderson could have clouted for four to bring the scores level, but he missed it. It was low down. It was taken by wicketkeeper Haddin. Two, three, five for nine. Horitz round the wicket, bowls to Anderson. Oh, and Anderson plays at that one. There's a bit of turn. It sneaks past the outside edge of the bat and through to Haddin. As you say, Yoz, it's tricky for the left-handers against the off-break bowler. Especially with the new ball, because some of them are skidding on and some of them are gripping and turning and bouncing. Horitz tries again, bowls to Anderson. Anderson back, plays that calmly away into the offside. And it's picked up by one of the close catches in that cordon way on the offside. So there's a slip, a gully, silly point. There's also a short leg as well. England four runs behind, ten and a half overs left. Horitz goes in, bowls to Anderson. There's the peel for a catch behind. And Alim Dar nonchalantly shakes his head as if to say that's a preposterous appeal. But both <laughs> bowler and wicketkeeper went up at the same time. I thought Anderson looked a bit guilty there, actually. <laughs> he didn't want to look back. It was a hell of a delivery, beautifully pitched, angling in from round the wicket, turning sharply. No evidence of an edge there on the pictures, though. Horitz went into bowl there, and then umpire Dar just signalled dead ball at the last moment. I'm just trying to see if there's anything on hot spot on that edge behind. They're all up, the Australians. Well, why wouldn't they be? They need one wicket to win. Horitz does go into bowl this time to Anderson, who pads it away, but he's well back in his crease and outside the line of off stump. So again, Alim Dar shakes his head. What about the players being under pressure in a situation like this? The umpire's under big pressure as well to get the right call. I think that was an attempted arm ball, actually, from Horitz, and Anderson didn't pick it. He shouldered arms, and it just clipped his pad, but well outside the off stump. Yeah, that was well wide. That was a really optimistic appeal. That was never out. 10.1 overs left in the match. England are four runs behind. 2.35 for nine. One wicket left. Horitz moves in and bowls to Anderson, who comes stabbing forward at that, plays it out to the gully, where it is picked up and stopped, and there is no run, and there are 10 overs left in the game now. In the 2.35 for nine, they trail by four runs. First task for England here is to try to make Australia bat again, but even then it's still a long shot for them with Australia needing that one wicket. I mean, they might only need... One over to chase 12 or 15. I mean, you can just go out there and blaze away, can't you? I mean, you can get, possibly you can get 20 off an over. The so key that, thing, of course, is that if England make Australia bat again, you take two overs away from the overs remaining. So it's a key thing, that, if England can get past Australia. Siddle goes in, round the wicket bowls to Panasar. Panasar is forward. 
pushing out towards cover. And there's no run. Uh, one other feature here. The Aussies, Australia rattling through their overs as well. Siddle very quickly into to start that uh, latest over. And that's important for Australia as well because they, they could get more overs in in the last hour. Nothing like uh, the prospect of victory to up the ante in the over rate, is there? Uh, also as well, you just want to bowl as many balls as you possibly can in the last hour. I wonder whether Mitchell Johnson could feature as well. Uh, he has bowled a five-over spell uh, uh, of late. He's done a lot of work in this uh, on this final day. There goes Siddle bowls to Panasar. Shorter length, Panasar, an exaggerated defence there. That was Kept immaculate. that one out. That yeah. was superb. Right behind it, body, head, bat, pads. Get past that. Superb from Panasar. I wonder whether he just needs to bowl a bit fuller though to Panasar. Draw him forward there. He was able to get in behind it. Short of a length. Not short, short, but short of a length. 2.35 for nine. 9.5 overs left. Here's Siddle again. And, uh, three slips in. Balls to Panasar. He comes forward and pushes that away out towards cover. And there's no run. Siddle here operating round the wicket with three slips and a gully. So it's not an overly attacking field because, of course, runs are important, aren't they? You know, Ponting's going to have a bob each way here. He needs that close catcher to take an edge but he's also got one eye on the runs as well four runs behind Paul Collingwood well, his marathon effort came to an end at just the right moment for Australia 2-3-5 for 9 his first test match was 2009 Ashes series still goes in ball short outside the off stump but in a way although Panasar didn't play that particularly convincingly he was rocking back it was a wasted delivery from Siddle. It was wide and short outside the off stump. I think he was just trying to get him on the back foot there and, and trying to give him something else to think about. And actually, Monty watched it for most of the way through there and then just weaved out of the way. There wasn't much venom in that bouncer. It, it bounced twice, actually, before it got to Brad Haddin. No one in the England dressing room is moving. They're all superstitious, of course. They don't move in these situations. Have to stay rooted to the spot to, Give the batsman the best chance of survival. Siddle bowls to Panasar, and Panasar nudges that into the offside, sets off for a single, and is sent back by Anderson. And uh, Panasar just giving the thumbs up to Jimmy Anderson there, as if to say, "Yeah, of course, yeah, I, I was never going to go for a run. I was never, I was never that serious." But the last thing you want now is a is a runner. <laughs> the television cameras focusing on Andrew Strauss, who's thinking exactly the same thing. Monty, what are you doing? Setting off for a single. And there wasn't really one there. A direct hit, and well, it could have gone either end. Either batter would have been run out or direct hit. One ball left in the over. England are four runs behind. Goodness me, it's tense. England battling away. Collingwood still with his pads on in that changing room. Still goes over the wicket now to bowl to Panasar. He gets one on his hip and nudges it down towards fine leg. Now you can hear the cheers from the crowd. England is ticking them off ever so slowly. It's agonising. One more run, nine overs left, three runs behind, 2.36 for nine on this perfect evening in Cardiff. And what a dramatic start to this Ashes series uh, we have. But you'd still far rather be in Australia's camp. Marcus North was playing in his third test. He'd taken two wickets in 36 overs in his previous two games against South Africa in South Africa. He went on to play 21 tests, taking 14 wickets at an average of 42. 
He made five hundreds, an average 35, so he was a decent all-rounder. The guy that I keep thinking back is, why didn't Ben Hilfenhaus bowl more? You know, I, th I think he only bowled about 14 or 15 overs in that whole innings. And I think, I'm pretty sure he got three for, he had three or four wickets. You know, he, he, he was, I felt, was our best bowler at that time. And someone that could bowl stump to stump. Mitchell Johnson was someone that, yes, he had that bit of pace, but he, that Ashes series wasn't one of his glory series where, you know, I remember we played that semi-first series in South Africa, he bowled the, the speed of light. The, the famous Australian Ashes uh, when England got beaten astray when he bowled the speed of light. And I think he had another series in South Africa. This one was a steady pace of Mitchell Johnson. There wasn't anything ridiculous. So I think back then with that time pressure, Ricky Ponting was saying, well, you know, he hasn't got that accuracy. He was at, he was at an early stage of his career then, Mitch as well. And I think he was trying to get guys that would make them play, try and create those chances. Obviously, Siddle was used a lot. But yeah, Hilfenhaus is the one that didn't really get used a lot in that last hour. And he's the one that has just bowled so close to the stumps, has that traditional action. It can bowl that slightly quicker ball. So he's the one that I always look back on and go, wonder why he didn't bowl more. Moritz tries again. Bowls to Panasar. Panasar hints, hints at following that one. That one turned away from the, the left-hander. Panasar missed it by quite a long way in the end, and it was through to Haddin. You see, that was slower, and it drew him into the shot. 8.4 overs left. Moritz wide of the crease. Again, just bowled a bit slower and full. Panasar's able to block it. That was a, probably possibly too full, almost half volley length. They were just to sit on that and played it away into the offside. And there's no run. Horitz back to his mark, spinning himself a catch. He's under pressure. He's expected to win the game for Australia, just like Panasar and Anderson are under pressure. Panasar comes forward, turns that away into the onside. And there's no run. Another ball survived. 8.2 overs left in this test match. England are three runs behind. They have one wicket left. Horace. Horitz past umpire Dar. Bowls to Panasar. That was a very wide delivery. Panasar dabbled that. Perhaps he just thought he could score off that one. But he missed it and it was through to Brad Haddin. So difficult facing off spin for the left-handers, especially tail-enders, in aiming into the rough. Some are turning, some aren't. A bit, bit of extra bounce from this second new ball as well. Horitz bowls to Panasar. Well, that gripped and bounced. Panasar pushed at it, missed it again by quite a long way, actually further away from that one than the one before but another over has ticked by the balls are coming thick and fast here because Australia A got the spinners on or they're bowling with, with Horitz but they're also bowling their overs quickly as well there's a bit of purpose about them 236 for nine three runs behind and eight overs left in this test match now it's up to Anderson so it's Siddle now to hold to Jimmy Anderson Anderson on 11 Panasar on two he's going round the wicket and that's wide and just leapt off a Goodness sort of me. full length and taken by Haddin above his head. It seemed to be uh, hit, hit the, the footholds maybe, very wide outside off stump. Anderson went for a, a sort of carved shot through the offside, missed it, and the ball leapt. And actually Haddin did very well to take that at full stretch above his head. Well, that could easily have been four byes. England would have been ahead. Brilliant Haddin to stop that. England trailing by three runs, 7.5 overs left so far. Anderson this time back and across as Siddle angles one in from just short of a length. And he steers that into the offside, ponting at slit, chewing away. I wonder how many 
slices of chewing gum he gets through in a day's play. More today, I would have thought. On a day like this, goodness me, the, the, the tension is high. And Anderson and Ponisar are, are battling away here. Yes, it's superb stuff from, from both of them. Neither of them, of course, recognised as a, a decent batsman. Numbers 10 and 11. Siddle again, round the wicket. And it's right behind that. Beautiful defensive shot, shuffling across and showing the, the full face of the bat, steering it into the offside, looking very composed, in fact. Siddle actually not getting much movement. It's definitely the, the spinner at the other end, which is causing most of the problems. Still three slips and a gully. A man at, at, at quite deep mid-off, actually. I would wonder whether somebody else could be closer in on the offside just to put the batsman under pressure. All the crowd in Cardiff chewing their fingernails tensely as... Siddle again, round the wicket, in bright sunshine, and this time Anderson steers it away for four. Down to third man, a full ball. Attempted Yorker maybe, but Siddle got the, the line completely wrong, and England have gone into the lead by one run. Anderson brilliantly steering that one wide of the third slip, applauded by everyone in the crowd, and Andrew Strauss and England teammates in the dressing room. Well, hearts were in mouths for a moment there, because it was just through that gully region. Philip Hughes away to his left-hand side. He was in the air for a moment. He couldn't get across uh, Hughes and it scooted down to the boundary. So Australia will have to bat again. It was all under control for Anderson. And he does it again. He's done it again this time. That's a better shot. That's backward of square off the middle for four. All the way along the ground. So two fours in two balls from Jimmy Anderson off the bowling of Peter Siddle. The crowd in Cardiff signalling the boundary. Ponting looks rueful. And, well, look at the atmosphere in the ground now. People almost punching the air as if England have won. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to do yet. I mean, 7.1 overs left. Again, only five runs ahead, but that's one over a batting, isn't it? So there will be two overs taken off, of course, between the innings. So the time is important as well. How quickly Australia bowl their overs. I mean, you know, we say there are 7.1 overs left, but if Australia can bowl their overs quicker, they might get more overs in. Siddle again bowls, shorter a length, this time Anderson across and defends, just uh, almost giving it the, what we call the curtain rail actually, just sliding his bat almost uh, along the line of the crease to cover that little bit of extra movement, but he played it well and England now in the lead by five runs, seven overs remaining in this test match, 244 for nine England. Most of the time in my career when I played for England, it was like either helping someone to get past 50 or 100 or trying to just bat because then it would help the team. It's, it's a sh momentum shift, you know, when the lower water bat really well. It doesn't matter how many runs you get. It's more about getting in line and um, showing that, you know, you have to earn your wicket. It actually lifts the dressing room, which I realised. So when I was batting at 11, I, was, I always felt like I couldn't play my shots. I had to, like, you know, get in line, even if it was a bouncer or duck, just to show that, you know, we've got strong morale as a team. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Howritz again. Bowls to Panasar. And Panasar played that well and just steers it into the offside behind the square between the two close fielders. And they get a single. So England now six in the lead and it means of course that because Australia have to bat again that England now only have to survive five overs at the most at, at least five overs let's say rather than the 6.5 that are actually remaining in the game Anderson <laughs> leaps forward there to that ball from Harris which was slower and in fact he had to almost rock back and defend it as it turned and bounced but he played it with quite a lot of composure Michael Clark urging Horitz on from first slip position. It bounced a lot, that delivery, actually, but Anderson played it well. He played that one well, too. Slightly quicker from Horitz that time, and Anderson covered the movement. 6.3 overs left in the Test match. England 245 for nine, in the lead by six. First Test of this 2009 Ashes series. Horitz again, off spin, round the wicket, beats Anderson, and in fact, also had in couldn't take it cleanly, so even if he'd edged that, it wouldn't have been out. It bounced off Haddon's pads and went away on the, the leg side. No run. Anderson survives nervously. Andrew Strauss bites his fingernails in the dressing room as Horitz bowls again. This time, a good defensive shot from Anderson. Leaping forward, leaning forward and just uh, nudging the ball away on the offside, smothering the spin. As you say, Simon, the Aussies hustling through their overs. 6.1 overs left in the match now. 245 for nine, England. Oritz again, round the wicket, bowls, and Anderson immaculately forward, defends, and another over is negotiated to the welcome applause of the crowd, and not least England in the dressing room. Flintoff there, clapping enthusiastically. Andrew Strauss blowing on his fingers, and the crowd expectant well when Collingwood was out it looked a long shot for him. now it looks possible six overs left in the game England lead by six and Panasar and Anderson looked solid enough but Australia still got that threat with Horrocks turning the ball away from the, the left hand and spitting and bouncing yeah I think they need threat from the other end though they need to change the bowling here they need either Mitchell Johnson to come back or Maybe another off-spinner. But uh, Siddle doesn't look that dangerous, but he's getting another over here. And Panasar on strike, a short leg in occupation. And that one hits him on the pads, but I think it was sliding down the leg side. Siddle pleading for LBW to Billy Doctrove. But the crowd all loving the fact that Doctrove said, not out. And I'm pretty sure he was right. That was sliding down the leg side. An optimistic appeal from Siddle. Well, you can understand why he shouted for it, Peter Siddle, because of the state of the game, just urging the umpire to raise his finger, but that 
was angling down the leg side, surely. Seen the replay and the ball hitting him close to leg stump, but with the angle, it would have gone down the leg side. Siddle again to Panasar, who defends beautifully right behind that one, middle of the bat. I notice he hasn't got a, a spat sponsor. Maybe after this performance, he might get one. He's got a, a completely blank bat. Well, I think it's fair to say, um, do bat sponsors want to be associated with failure? I mean, you know, it, because so far, Panastar is, is batting career for England. Uh, he hasn't pulled up many trees. It averages around about five. That's a fair point. But, of course, every batsman has to walk out and walk back. And Panastar's not out there for very long, though, is he? No, that's true. Siddle now over the wicket. And that's a good bouncer, actually. And Panasar did well there. He swayed out of the way. He watched it. It's a... Uh, Angling across him from over the wicket, a little bit short of a length, got up about chest high, but Anasar weaving out of the way and gets a nod of approval from Jimmy Anderson at the other end. You just feel so alone when you're batting in these situations, even though you have got a teammate there. It's you against 11, uh, all the, the chatter probably going on round the bat from the Aussies, the Australian fans as well. Trying to urge their team on. As Siddle bowls another one. That was wide outside off stump and easy for Panasar to leave that time. 245 for nine. England six in the lead. The crowd getting involved, urging England on, enjoying every ball that they survived this last pair. 5.2 overs left now, but really only maybe four overs for England to actually survive as Australia won't be able to have time to go and bat again. It just depends on the time, doesn't it, whether they can bowl more overs in this final hour than are normally allocated. Minimum 15. Here comes Siddle again, over the wicket. Another one that angles across and Panasar can leave alone. Good judgment there. Perhaps uh, earlier in his innings he might have tried to, to poke out at that, but now he's seeing the ball well. It's beautiful light here in Cardiff, actually. A lovely sunny day and the... Uh, Newish ball is not doing that much for the seamers, so Anasar able to line it up. He survived 20 balls already. So, last ball of this over as Siddle again comes over the wicket and Panasar goes up on his toes and just defends that one off, plays it nicely. The crowd loving every effort by this England tail end pair. Another over negotiated, 245 for nine. Well, that was quite an innocuous over from Peter Siddle. So it's 6.27, and the last hour began, final hour began, at 10 to 6. So there's still time for Australia. It's a, it's a time runs overs equation. Goodness me, it's so tight. It's so rare that you get a test match finish like this. England are six runs ahead. So 10 minutes will be taken out. So really, England need to bat to 20 to 7. Yeah, I think another 12 minutes of batting is what they need to do. 12 or 13 minutes. And the clock ticks over to 6.41pm. That's when England will be safe if these two are still batting. But that's quite a long way off, actually. It's still potentially about 30 deliveries. It's Haritz now bowling over the wicket to Anderson, who defends that one quite easily, back on his stumps and... The, uh, the ball just bobbles off the, the bat and pad and out on the offside straight to silly point. But Anderson looking pretty composed, actually, as Horace goes over the wicket. He can use his pad, actually, if the ball pitches outside leg, as he does there. And, in fact, 
it just turned at the last second and he had to get his bat in the way as well. But actually he played it pretty well in the end. That was a clever bit of bowling by or it's just on about leg stump from over the wicket. So the batsman not quite sure whether he had to play or not. And he comes again, close to the stumps, Horitz from over the wicket. Well played by Anderson. And in fact, he steers it down to short third man for a single, ecstatically enjoyed by the crowd. So 246 for nine now, seven in the league. Every ball that England keep Australia out feels like a bonus. Every run, a little bit of a bonus. And singles probably won't make that much difference. It, it, it needs to be quite a biggish lead to present the problem to Australia. Horitz again bowls this time round the wicket and Panasar defends. We just saw a shot there of Andrew Strauss talking to the 12th man, Bilal Shafayet. I wonder if England have a, have a plan here to, uh, well, you know, waste a bit of time, as probably most teams would in this situation, as Horitz bowls again, tossed up, and Panasar right forward, smothering the spin again. Looking very calm, actually, especially... Uh, as, a, as a, a player who gets quite excited when he's bowling, but you don't want to be too excited when you're batting in this situation. You want to be as calm and composed as ever. And he just left that one from Horitz very, uh, with, with great aplomb, actually. It's too wide outside off stump. And another over is negotiated by England. The red and white flags of St George are being waved around the ground now as England lead by seven. And sure enough, here comes Bilal Shafayat, the England 12th man, legging it onto the field with a towel, uh, a drink, and maybe a, a set of gloves. I'm not sure if the, the players have summoned him, but they're happy to see him. Yeah, and Ricky Ponting's not happy. He's having a chat with uh, Billy Dottrove because time is vital here. This little interlude could take some, you know, a minute out of the game, could be absolutely vital. Anderson uh, having a drink. Shafayette out there with a towel. I, I can understand why Ponting would be unhappy with this. One, one thing you know, about, about Ponting's captaincy, is it, is it not time for Mitchell Johnson? Another be. burst for Mitchell Johnson. Okay, looking, he did bowl that yeah. five-over spell, but it actually it's going to be Marcus North to bowl. Interesting. Uh, and obviously another off-spinner, and I, I think I can understand that in a way, because the, the spinner is, is certainly getting the ball to turn, but I would have the pace bowler on. There's always something... The, the, the batsman, tail end batsman, hate the, the serious pace of, of a Johnson type figure. And Johnson can try bouncers and Yorkers. And I, I, he can go round the wicket to the left handers and make it awkward. So I'm really surprised that he's going with Marcus North, who's only an occasional bowler. Ricky Ponding threw me the ball for a couple of overs, which I still cop a lot of grief from friends and, and work colleagues on a regular basis because it seems to be always on Sky Television, uh, Sky Sports every now and again when there's an Ashes coming up. But I, I remember getting thrown that ball quickly, Simon. I was like, wow, this is like, I don't know why, but, you know, Ricky's just throwing this one out there. But I thought, this is quite cool because if I get this wicket, you know, it's not going to be too many times that I can get a ball and win a test match for my country, right? It's only my third test match. And I remember bowling and thinking before I started, I thought Nathan Holtz was getting a bit of spin and bite. And I was trying to spin this ball so hard and not one ball moved off the straight. And I remember bowling one over and I was like, thank God for that. That's it. That's me done. That experiment, you know, didn't work. And he gave me another over. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then the more I watch it back, Simon, the worse it gets. The worse, the worse that ball looks like it's coming out slower and the worse it's hitting the middle of the bat. But, yeah, anyway, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? So... Seven runs ahead, England. 2.46 for nine. 
6.40 really is the cutoff. Match finish time 6.50, but England just need to get to 6.40. They just need to get to 6.40. One wicket now and, and it's all over. Australia will have time to, to knock off the runs. These two have resisted over 45 balls. Here's North with three close fielders on the offside. Balls to Anderson who top edges a cut there, but it goes safely down towards deep backward point. And Anderson gets a single. England are eight runs ahead. The singles do make a bit of difference, but if Australia just had the one over to, to get the run, say, you know, they'd be quite comfortable scoring 8-10. Okay, it might become more problematical for them if they had to score, say, 22 off an over or 20, so it's worth just chipping away with the runs. 247 for nine. The key really though for England is that preserving that final wicket. North Bowl's a rather innocuous delivery there to Panasaru cuts and it beats the closing field on the offside and it's heading out towards the boundary and that has gone away for four. It was a bad ball from Marcus North and Panasar punished it. He's on to seven and England are now 12 runs ahead. 251 for nine. Yeah, it wasn't a good ball as you say. A little slow, little wide and Panasar actually, well it was a terrible mix-up at backward point that allowed the boundary through his legs. North bowls, Panasar plays that carefully back up the pitch. North allows the ball to come to him and fields and there is no run. The clock is ticking towards 6.40, around about six, seven minutes left. Panasar there on seven. Faces North, tossed right up and Panasar comes forward and turns that into the onside towards mid-on and there is no run. We've got about seven, eight minutes left. Get round to 6.40, 6.41. Two 2.51 for nine, in 12 runs ahead. Panasar and Anderson battling. Pressure beginning to build on Australia here, but one wicket now and they would be in control of the game. North Bowles angled away by Panasar in defence. Out towards backward point. And there's no run. Every dot ball, every single, every ball resisted. Being celebrated by this... Cardiff crowd. Goodness me, what's the noise going to be like at the end if England managed to pull this off? North, back to his mark, goes in, round the wicket. Holds that one back a bit, just slow delivery to Panasai. Leans forward in defence, turns it into the offside. And the crowd just sensing England getting closer here. It is not done yet, not by any means. A wicket now, and Australia can still win this game. Five and a half minutes to go until the 20 to 7. Roughly that, that cut-off point at 20 to 7, or just past 20 to 7. And of course, in a way, the pressure now is back on the batsman because the closer you get to your objective, the more tense you will become. When Panasar first came out, he would have thought, well, there's nothing going to happen here. We've probably got no chance. Might as well give it a go. The oh. 12th man is back on. Chaffayette is back on. I don't think that Ricky Ponding's too happy about it. I think he's got words for... Chafayette there as the 12th man uh, arrives on with some more gloves for the new batsman. Of course, tailenders don't normally have extra pairs of gloves, so maybe they've borrowed him from somewhere else. And now here's the physio as well. Ponting looking apoplectic, steam coming out of his ears as the physio just goes to tend to Jimmy Anderson, check he's all right. I think he's got a broken eyelash. I think that's the problem. This is, this is, I mean, most teams would do this, of course. I'm sure Ponting realises that they would be doing the same thing if if they were in this situation. The umpires should be telling them to get off yeah, there. They really I think should. they have, actually. Yeah, I think they, they have. They, they shouldn't really have allowed them on the field. Not in this situation. It's so obvious that what the tactic is, but it's so tense out there. And both sides, certainly England in this situation, trying anything, everything, just to 
whittle away at the time left in this match. You know, they were having a go at Villa or Shafaya about, you know, time wasting. And I think every team would have done that in, in that scenario. Uh, it's all part of um, gamesmanship, as we call it. And uh, so you can see why the Australians were agitated. And I think uh, it was surprising to see how much that ball was turning that Nathan Hurts couldn't get us out. I used to bat um, in in the top top six during club cricket. And I always got taught quite good techniques about defending and and playing shots. It's just throughout my career, I got slightly pigeonholed about being a number 11 batsman. Felt very calm, very relaxed. Um, I remember after facing a few balls, I started to um, you know, have your own process, like you put a line through the ball, walk away, get back into your crease. And um, it does help as much as we um, say, you know, there is your natural talent. I think having that switch on and off for each ball it's absolutely vital, and I think it did help me. Here is Horitz beginning to over. Pushes that one through a bit short, and Anderson plays it away defensively off the back foot into the offside. England getting closer and closer. It's tantalising. They can almost reach out and touch it, but they know a wicket now, and the game would be Australia's almost certainly. 2.51 for nine. England only 12 runs ahead, with the clock ticking towards 20 to seven. Anderson comes forward, thickish inside edge there, plays it past short leg. Just the possibility of a single there, but perhaps Anderson feeling a bit more comfortable. He's been there for a long time now, he's 21 not out. Five minutes to go until that 20-7 cut-off point. The game's scheduled to finish at 10-7, but we'll need that 10 minutes change of innings. Horitz bowls, Anderson is forward, nice and solid, bat and pad close together to a ball on middle and off. Played away out towards Silly Point, and there is no run. You just under see the frustration on Australian faces out there. They've got to keep believing that one wicket will break the game open for them. Horitz bowls, forward goes Anderson, and dropping the ball onto the pitch at Silly Point. Spectators, some of them unable to look. Well, what amazing drama on the, the final day. England starting the day's play. Not much hope, we felt. Two wickets down already. 239 runs behind on first things. That's a really loopy, it looked like a full toss from Horitz. It dipped on the batter, Anderson. He blocked it away into the offside. People don't have skin left on their hands. They are clapping so vehemently. Every ball resisted by this final pair for England. On this glorious evening, sun beating down. Horitz. Balls to Anderson pushed through and Anderson equal to that almost French cricket right back into his stumps. Defending into the offside and there is no run. There are four minutes left. That, that defensive effort by Anderson's got almost a standing ovation. And he did play that over extremely well. I suppose Australia now, surely they're going to bring the quick bowler back. But the thing is, the only problem with a, a Johnson is he takes longer to bowl yeah. his overs. Yeah. So they've got to think, I suppose now, Australia, to try and get as many balls in as they can in these remaining, well, now only, say, two minutes, two, three minutes. Can they get two overs in in that time? It's uh, duty-bound on the, the batsmen just to sort of take their time between balls to stop Australia hustling through the deliveries. It's Panasar on strike. Yeah, we're right into the sort of the business part now. The 
it's got it's got to happen for Australia very soon now. Otherwise, England are going to save this Test match. North goes in and bowls, and Panasar defends, drops the ball onto the crease, and he bends down to pick it up. But don't do that. If he picks the ball up, Australia could appeal there. I'm sure it wouldn't be within the spirit of the game. He was never going back onto the stumps, but uh, just kept his hand away from it. Goes back there and forces that delivery from North into the offside towards cover, and there's no run. England getting closer and closer. They can almost touch it now. Huge frustration for Australia, but that wicket will still give them that victory chance. North goes very wide of the crease. Oh, there's a gentle off-break there, wide of off-stump. There's no stroke from Panistar. It's through to Haddin, and another ball. They could make this by. the last over, you know, if they just go and have a little mid-wicket conference <laughs> now, but they haven't got the confidence to, have they? Well, North's back in his mark. He's whipping through the over, balls to Panisar, pushes that one through, outside the off-stump. There's no stroke. That was 63 miles an hour from Marcus North, so he really did fire that one through, but it's too wide. Panisar let it go. Taken by Haddin. 2.51.49, two minutes away from 20 to 7. North bowls and Panasar plays a rather tentative defensive shot at that, just manages to keep it down short of gully. Well, it's, it's seconds now. It feels not just minutes, it's seconds. They're absolutely crucial. England 12 ahead. North bowls to Panasar and Panasar blocks that one as well. And the crowd just, they sense that England are, are nearly there. They're not quite yet, though. 2.51 for nine. And it needs someone to get up on that sort of clock balcony and just push the, 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 the big hand towards that 20 to seven mark. I think it's just another six balls now. And I think the crowd sensed that as well. It must be a, a wonderful feeling being the, the, the English batsman knowing they've just got to survive another six balls. How incredibly well they've done to get this far. Now it's just that final hurdle, these last six deliveries. The clock almost on 6.40pm. Strauss standing up in, in the dressing room looking keenly at the discussions going on with the umpires, the batsman and Ponting. Alin Dar there just indicating his watch, telling them exactly what the situation is. The situation is, if England can bat for this over, I think the game is over. Yeah, it, it's, so, it's so tight in terms of the time. You just wonder whether, even if the wicket fell now, Australia would have a chance to, to bat again. Um, umpires are pointing to his watch and saying, you know, um, this is the cut-off in terms of time. 2.51 for nine. Here's Horitz bowling to Anderson. Anderson blocks it into the leg side towards short leg. The crowd jubilant. They think England are there. And we're not quite sure they might be. They might be, but they definitely will be if they can block out for this final over. Horitz goes in again, tosses this one up, almost Yorker length. Dug out by Anderson towards Silly Point. And there's no run. The question is, would there be time? If a wicket fell now, would there be time for Australia to bat again? It's 20 to seven now. Match is supposed to finish at 10 to 7. Surely that's it. Horitz goes in. Bowls to Anderson. Anderson blocks and just gets the bat in front of the pad there and goes away into the offside and there's no run. Uh, the crowd sensing them are just about there. I'm not sure there's going to be time, you know, because even now if a wicket fell, there would be time for Australia to come out and bat. It's half a minute past 20 to 7. Horitz bowls and it's right off stump, turn and bounce. There's no stroke. A ripper from Horrocks, but it was just a fraction wise, and he didn't really have to play at it. Australia looks as if they've accepted their fate here, Yoz. Mm, they do. 
and I think England looked massively relieved in, in the dressing room too. Collingwood, of course, played that valiant innings watching on. Oh, it's bowls. Henderson digs it out, back down the onside of the pitch, and there is no run. 2.51 for nine. England are 12 runs ahead. Time is running out for Australia. And this dramatic, pulsating final day. Horrocks bowls, why do you have stun? That was an absolute ripper again. And it beats Haddy, comes off his gloves and they run through. I think that might well have been a bye there. He pushed at it, Anderson, he missed it. Keeper couldn't take it cleanly, it went away into the offside. And England are 13 runs ahead. It's 252 for nine. Anderson asked the umpire to have a look at his watch. I also still think there's time for another over, but I don't think there is because it's ten, less than ten minutes to go. And there's there no we point. go. There no, we go. Yes. There we go. Ponting concedes. He shakes hands with uh, Panesar and Anderson. They could have played on because there are still nine minutes left in the day's play. But if a wicket fell now, Australia would not have time to bat. So the final hour finishes uh, prematurely and the celebrations in Cardiff have started. The crowd really, the England players just shaking hands. And there's no huge jubilation out on the pitch, although Anderson just punches his uh, fist in the air there and then gives Panesar a hug. Because England, they haven't won this game. They have drawn it, but what a psychological blow they have struck there because Australia were dominating this test match for a, for a large part of it and they must have been confident of winning on the final day. But that is a massive block from England. They have survived for 105 overs in all. Uh, many of them, those overs, under pressure as well. Their wickets down, really struggling. Paul Collingwood, brilliant. But then Australia had time to win at the end there. They had a large chunk of that last hour to win the game but they were unable to do it well it was a miraculous escape by England with that last pair surviving 70 deliveries Monty Panassar and Jimmy Anderson rightly getting a standing ovation by this Cardiff crowd and you're right about the, the psychological impact that this stand will have had because I think this has stopped the Australian juggernaut 5-0 in 2006-07 and in the sight of a very very emphatic victory here in Cardiff in the first test of this series they've been stopped in their tracks. Yeah and Australia scored what 670 in their first innings, five England bowlers went for a gallon, five you know, went for a hundred, okay England did score 400 in their first innings which is you know, not a bad batting effort but Australia have controlled the game but England have somehow managed to dig themselves out of it. I mean how many people and Monty Panesar strolled out to bat. How many people would have expected England to save this game? Actually, they played really well, didn't they? I mean, there was a couple of deliveries that were, were nervy and they, they were a little bit uncertain about. But in the main, they both looked actually very composed at the crease, showing good defence and good judgement. Panesar actually, in immaculate defensive method, uh, he doesn't look quite so good when he tries to attack. But when he just defends like that, he looks you know, quite difficult to get out. Anderson really really showing a lot of composure too and seeing off the the difficulty of the off spinner knowing which ones to play and which ones to leave and they're just dealing with the tension and being undoubtedly urged on really you know aided by this tremendous Cardiff crowd yeah it was just like a, a surreal feeling really it was unbelievable um it it felt like have we really drawn a test match 
And it's only when Jimmy Anderson, you know, hugged me and then he was animated in his celebrations, it kind of hit home to me that, gosh, we've um, drawn a test match against Australia. I was a little bit in disbelief, um, a bit of a shock, really. I didn't realise that we've gone this far, something I, I couldn't believe. But then when I celebrated, I remember going back in the dressing room, their feelings were the same as mine. Everyone was in disbelief. We sat down in the dressing room, we were all really quiet and just thinking, "How? what has just happened? <laughs> no one could believe. And I remember Andrew Strauss saying, I can't believe what has happened. You know, and we were just off. It took us a few minutes for the reality to sink in. And but then afterwards, um, we kind of packed our bags and then everyone went. And but I knew when I was driving home from Cardiff back to Luton, I knew that this could be my last test for a very long time. And that was my last home test match. I remember being so deflated. You know, it 100% felt like a loss. There's no doubt about it. it. It felt like we lost that test match. And then the reaction of the English dressing room on the balcony up in, in Cardiff was, was the opposite. You know, that wasn't just a draw. There was a lot more to that result. Of course it was because of, you know, the resilience they showed and to, to kind of walk away not losing a test match when it was a test match that they should never have been able to do that because of the position that we got ourselves in, you know, was, was really, really difficult to take. And there was, a, there was a hangover from that match. There's no doubt about it. I'll probably say it was my, you know, proudest um, moment in wearing an England shirt. I felt that uh, batting is not unknown for. So that was, yeah, a very special moment for me. Looking back at it now, that partnership was vital because it created so many doubts in Ricky Ponting's mind. At the Oval Test match, he should have played Nathan Hurts. He didn't on a turning pitch. He felt that if you can't bowl them, them this side out in Cardiff, he might not be able to do it at Oval. So you can see the shift um in 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 the in the way england just grew confidence i think overall that was a such a uh, the catalyst really for england to win the series it's one of the like the miracles of of uh, english cricket and uh, it does it does make me feel you know very proud that i'm part of part of the history of something very special that happened at cardiff well, England's dramatic draw was crucial to the outcome of the 2009 series. They won at Lords in the next test. The third test was drawn. Australia fought back at Headingley to set up a decider at the Oval, which England won by 197 runs. Jonathan Trott making a century on his test debut. Graham Swan taking the final wicket to clinch the Ashes. Mike Hussey caught by Alistair Cook for 121. So that rearguard action by Anderson and Panasar didn't get them up the order, but it did put England on the path that led them to becoming the number one test team in the world, which of course included victory in Australia in the next Ashes series. We hope you've enjoyed the first in our series of The Last Hour. We'll be back with another climax to a great test match next time. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe to The Analyst Inside Cricket, our weekly digest of events going on in the cricket world. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.